Hello, and welcome to a show of their own, Sports and Life with Morgan and Laura. I'm Morgan. And I'm Laura. And um, I was telling Morgan just before we started recording that our last episode was titled MLB just really didn't think about anything, and we might just end up reusing that because it's an evergreen title, apparently. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, when I talked about that last week, and then in the mini episode, I, I even then I was like, I can't believe they didn't think about half this stuff. And then it just showed, like, we are, what, four games in? Five, day, five days, because it's Monday, so they played Thursday. Yeah, that math is right. Five days mm-hmm. in, and it, it – <laughs> literally laughable. Um, and it started sun- – I would say Sunday is when it really started to be like, oh, okay, so all of our questions were valid um, because Sunday – evening like late afternoon or really maybe the afternoon I'm trying to remember if it was before the Rangers played which was that one central time they there was like a tweet and it was somewhat vague from I think he was a Marlins beat writer and he was kind of like three I think it was either three or four at the time guys were going on IL wasn't really said what it was but it was clearly thinly veiled as it was COVID. So immediately it's like, okay, if it's three to four guys, the rest of the team has obviously been exposed. Obviously, though, if you're exposed, doesn't necessarily mean the rest of the team is positive, but still you've just exposed at minimum 25 players plus what, like about 10 coaches and then however many staff. Um, So we'll just say maybe like 35 people at minimum, but then you have a whole other team you're playing against. And so you've now exposed those people. Well, if they don't know they're exposed and then they go play other games, you're exposing literally, like we said last week, a third of the league. That's 10 teams. Um, And that's pretty much what's happening because um, today, Monday, which I guess for everyone listening is Tuesday, whatever, time is stupid. Um, See, here's also, of course it happened Monday because – I slept like crap, woke up at 6 a.m., was up for maybe like an hour and a half, was like, I'm going back to sleep. Didn't intend to sleep for like five more hours, but that happened, and I woke up to a mess, a garbage fire of a mess that is MLB, saying that I think it was like seven other players plus two staff members of the Marlins um, tested positive. So they just played the Phillies. And originally, they were supposed to fly back after the afternoon game on Sunday to have their home opener in Miami on Monday. Then they were like, no, we'll fly home uh, Monday morning, basically get there like right before game time. And those that tested positive, we're just going to leave them in Philly and they'll quarantine there. And in my mind, I was like, well, it doesn't really matter because you've already exposed everyone else. So at that point, who cares? Um, then it was they... I think they're saying postponed. I don't think they're actually saying canceling um, the Miami game today. And then the Phillies canceled their game with the Yankees. Um, So that's now four teams that, I mean, the Yankees weren't exposed, but their schedule is being affected because if it's postponed and not canceled, they have to find a way to, like, 
shove that game into, into the season that's yeah. already crammed full. So it's definitely going to be a double header, which <laughs> fun for them. Um, especially because like you're not playing other teams as often. So Yankees and Phillies would only be playing one more time this season anyway. So finding that double header is going to suck for them. Um, but yeah, so then can I just add to this? I just yeah was thinking about because the the schedule obviously impacts rescheduling the games. That also like compounds the risk of this because there's very few off days, and right. so if you catch this, you're always going to catch it after they've exposed another team. Pretty much, like there's no yeah. way they haven't exposed one, maybe more than one team, depending right. on what their schedule is, and it's just it can compound so fast. Yeah. Um, and so I'm trying to make sure I'm reading my notes in order because I actually have this at the bottom of my notes because it all happened recent. Um, so, uh, in the athletic, they, this is, part of it is from Mark Craig and Andy McCullough. McCullough, that's how I'd say that. I, yeah. Um, in their article, um, they said the Phillies were slated to undergo testing on Monday and Tuesday. Um, which was reported by Ken Rosenthal. A lab at Rutgers University was expected to return the results rapidly, but the incubation for COVID-19 is anywhere from two to five days, meaning any Phillies who were theoretically infected on Sunday on Sunday might not test positive until a week, until later in the week. The reason that's important is because I've been seeing a bunch of tweets from MLB being like, we'll make our decision tomorrow on the rest of the series. Um, like, I don't know who's supposed to be, I can't remember who's supposed to be ta- playing Baltimore later this week. I think it's Miami. One of them has a series later this week against Baltimore, and they're like, they'll be, basically, they were trying to make it seem like that, that series will be played by Phillies or Marlins. One of them are playing them. I'm like, okay, but just because the tests come back negative today in three more days could be positive. Like, that part, surprisingly, not thought through by MLB. See, and, I was going to say, like, the, the incubation thing, that's like where the NHL has like a really good plan because mm-hmm. they got they all the teams had to report there by the Sunday evening mm-hmm. in the bubble, and then they're doing exhibition games starting on Tuesday, but then their first games aren't until Saturday. And so the great thing about that is it's all they're all in the bubble in that time, but theoretically someone could have brought in something in that they had tested positive for but they would catch that before the playoffs actually started yeah so then what they could do is just do basically like a mass two-week quarantine for the entire league and just push back the start date two weeks which works so much better (laughs) than having things all up in in the air and not knowing what's going on and uh I also included a tweet from David Price, who is one of the pitchers who opted out, and he tweeted, I don't remember if he tweeted this last night or this morning, everything's jumbled in my brain, but he said, now we really get to see if MLB is going to put players' health first. Remember when Manfred said players' health was paramount? Part of the reason I'm at home right now is because players' health wasn't being put first. I can see that hasn't changed, which honestly, it's we all knew that. I feel like everybody knew it, but no one was really saying it, especially as far as players go, because they want to play. And I understand that, like, some of them probably didn't necessarily agree with the terms that they came up with, but they just desperately wanted to play. I get that. But, like, to hear a, a big-name pitcher, like, even though he's not playing right now, but for him to speak up is kind of like, 
really refreshing to see. Um, also, in Ken Rosenthal and Jason Stark's article, they included um, uh, Jason Stark also has a podcast for The Athletic, and he had on an epidemiologist at Emory University's Oxford College, Dr. Zachary Biney, Binney? We'll say Binney. Binney sounds better. Um, and so in that article, they said the next steps for the four teams, the Marlins, Phillies, Orioles, and Yankees. Oh, sorry. The Orioles were playing the Marlins in their home opener. Got it now. Took a second to put together, but, you know, I'm doing better than MLB. Uh, so those four teams, the next step, steps remain unclear, obviously. Um, MLB plans to rely on the guidance of its doctors to determine whether the Marlins and Phillies should resume their schedules, which I feel like you don't need doctors to tell you uh, no. Um, uh, resume their schedules aware that tests of players on those teams over the next few days might not reveal the entirety of the problem. Commissioner Rob Manfred late said late Monday on MLB Network that the Marlins won't be playing Tuesday in Miami and the possibility of playing Wednesday in Baltimore will be dependent upon results. Okay, so now I've got to figure out. Their posts play two games as their home opener against Baltimore and Miami, then go two games um, in Baltimore. Got it. We're, we're catching up slowly here. Um, but then again, based on the existing literature, the incubation period ranges from two to 14 days, like I said. I think it said above two to five days. I think the two to five days is like usual, but it can be 14 I think, days. So I think the two to five days is when you'll start showing a positive test. Yeah. And I think it's 14 days is like the course is the, the yeah. illness. So I, I think I think after five days, if you've been exposed and you're actually going to like get it, I think. That's what, that's my understanding. My, the, the whole thing I'm understanding is basically the Phillies and the Marlins shouldn't play anyone until Friday at the earliest, but really not until next Monday is what I would think would be great. Um, the epidemiologist said that both the Marlins and Phillies should be shut down for at least five days, which I'm like, okay, at least five. I'll take that over being like, oh, we just waited one day and nobody came back positive. So let's play. Um, the, the one thing that I did like find from, cause at first I saw, I saw this this morning. I was like, oh, MLB's done. We played one series and we're gone, done, over with. At least we have hockey. Um, but on the podcast with Jason Stark, Benny said, I don't think MLB necessarily needs to scrap the season just yet. I think that they would be a little bit of an overreaction, which in my head, I'm like, overreaction? Are you kidding me? Have you seen how these people think? Like, that would be the least they could do. Um, but then he said, but they need to think very seriously about the results of the investigation in Miami and decide if this can be fixed or if it is likely to be a one-off or if it's likely to happen again and again. I think that if you saw the situation in Miami repeated for another team, that's when you'd have to think very seriously about suspending the season. So essentially it's like, well, if the Phillies end up testing like half their team positive. Then you start thinking about suspending the season. But again, I don't know. Just the like, they should, neither team should play at all this week, which I know screws up the schedule so bad. But that's like, if you don't want to cancel the season, that's what you're going to have to do. Yeah, and the thing that I think is tough about this is I think the NHL and the NBA 
and even major league soccer and uh, like they have a very like if this happens this is what we do if this happens this is what we do if this happens this is what they do and because they have that and because the steps early on the problems early on they have good reactions to Mm -hmm. it lessens the likelihood of this nuclear option which I was hearing Chris Johnston talk about the hockey reporter like the worst case scenario is they get everyone to the bubble they do some stuff and then they have to cancel either in the middle of the playoffs or before the playoffs begin because then they've invested all this money and nothing happened but the way they're doing it makes that super unlikely because they're taking all of the precautions and have taken the precautions and have backup plans to their backup plans to their backup plans with how MLB is handling what seems like a very reasonable, realistic scenario. Uh-huh. Like, it's not like, who could have seen this coming? <laughs> it's like a random team gets it, of course. And it's a team in a state that has a huge problem right now. Like, all of yeah. that should have been obvious. Yeah. And, and the fact that they're like, what are we doing? Like, we're figuring it out on the fly. That's not how you create a... a a season like then future problems are threatened and then kind of similar to hockey I have to think worst case scenario is we shut this down in a couple weeks and eh, yeah so I I also have more quotes from Manfred from uh today on MLB Network which y'all they're they're something um but it does very much seem like MLB thinks that they have bubbles, like NHL and NBA, but they don't. Like, in my mind, MLB is like, oh, yeah, we definitely, we're doing a bubble, too. Yeah, we have it. We did 10 teams on in each in each division, and, you know, they still fly everywhere, but it's a bubble. And I'm like, y'all don't know what bubbles mean, because I really think y'all the think players, they have bubbles. Can the players move? Can they go to the grocery store? Can they go home? Okay, then there's no bubble. That's the other thing. Okay, so, like, you were saying NHL and NBA all have, like, their food covered and, like, all of that whereas like MLB doesn't like they can still get it delivered but I highly doubt they have any kind of like sanitizing thing going on like they're and the other thing is the masks a lot of them do really good at wearing the masks however it's not consistently wearing them like they're constantly pulling them up and down and up and down and it and me, I'm like, okay, if you're not going to wear the mask, fine. Just don't keep touching it. Like, you're, you're missing the point here. You're not supposed to touch your mask. You either have it on or you have it off. But don't keep moving it back and forth. Because, and even in the dugout, like, I thought one of the rules was they were supposed to wear them in the dugout. Not really seeing that a lot. Um, most, I will say, most of them do, if they're in the dugout, have it on there consistently. I don't see them messing with it. It's usually the fielders. And... At bat, and I noticed not to pick on like Elvis or anything. He doesn't wear it in the field, and then he puts it on right after he gets out of the batter circle to go to bat. He says hi to like the ump and the catcher, and then occasionally will take the mask off. <laughs> I'm like, you kind of have to leave it on, like <laughs> just just keep it on. And I understand it's not the most comfortable thing, but like if everyone's wearing a mask, that would significantly help them. And, okay, can you at least compromise a little bit? Because for me, it's like, okay, outfielders. I think we can stipulate that you don't have to wear a mask in the outfield because the likelihood of coming six feet within the the outfield next to you doesn't happen a lot. Yeah. So, okay, fine. If if you want to save you that uncomfortable, like, I think that's a risk we can accommodate. But then can you wear it when you bat? Can you 
where when you base run like yeah is there like a middle ground we can find yeah I think first baseman should always because they're talking all the freaking time yeah and I think that because I think with today they were talking about making even more rules and I was like yeah you think so like you think that's a good idea and I think one of them was like they have to wear masks I don't know if that's like an official thing yet but I saw someone um and I blanked on his name. It's Bob something or another. He's not the best beat reporter. I'm still surprised he has a job, but whatever. You, if you follow MLB, you know which Bob I'm talking about. Um, Nightingale, right? I was just going to say that. Is it Bob Nightingale? <laughs> yeah. Um, like, it just came to my head. I, kn- I saw you typing, searching. And I'm like, she's going to get it. Um, I knew what it was. <laughs> um, he had tweeted about how uh, Anthony Rizzo, who is a cancer survivor, um, is going to start wearing a mask because he's first baseman. And the, just the phrasing of his tweet was kind of like, even the even the base runners are going to wear a mask too for him. And I'm like, they should be. Like, every theoretically, everyone should be wearing a mask. Like, And also his phrasing was kind of as if, like, the Cubs had just found out that Anthony Rizzo is a cancer survivor, so therefore we should look out for him. But, like, he, Anthony Rizzo has talked with his doctors and everything. Like, he's making, he's more on top of himself than MLB is on everyone else. Like, he, I, I trust him. If he's not going to wear a mask, he's talked about it with the doctors, whatever. But, like, just the phrasing of certain things, I'm like, yeah, you guys, you negotiated for, like, months on what, how long you were going to play and all this stuff. And not once did y'all really go in depth about, okay, if this happens, we'll do this and this and this. And, like, like, I know why. They just wanted money. Like, I get it. But it's just mind-boggling. Insane. And here's the thing. I get that the MLB has challenges unique to it that the NBA and the NHL ha- don't have. Right. The NBA and NHL league, basically all they had to do was play the playoffs. And mm-hmm. so that's – the bubble thing is easier to accomplish when it's the playoffs. Even, the, even like, there's 24 teams in the NHL playoffs – but we're only asking eight of those teams to basically quarantine for like a week or two mm-hmm. to play the play-in rounds. And then beyond that, only like the top two teams that make it to the finals, they will have to be in the bubble for like basically two months. But that's only two teams. Every other team is going to be less than that. And so I understand it's a different situation because you have to pay, play the whole regular season and all of that but I feel like this is the least creative thing they could have done and it's like you couldn't have sat there and come up with anything better than this right and that's the thing is like yes MLB is very different in a different situation than NHL and NBA but there is definitely a way that they could have done this that it could have worked and be less risk for a lot of these players and coaches they just decided not to use their brains or talk to people with brains apparently um which makes me want to tell you what the comments that Rob Manfred had today, because yeah. y'all, I read them and I was like, we, a human said this really? And the one running baseball. Okay. So he is on MLB network talking about Marlins COVID-19 outbreak. This is, I, and I'm reading this from a thread from Jordan McPherson, who I'm pretty sure is a beat writer. I honestly, I just saw this thread and copy and pasted it because I was like, this is a, truly amazing um in the worst way so I don't I don't know who this guy is I just it just came up and I wanted to read the quotes um so his first quote 
from Rob Manfred. We have some theories as to what might have happened. Nothing definitive at this point. Yeah, the theory is your dudes got exposed. Like, what, what do you mean we have some theories? Like, the only thing they've, they've, like, thought about as far as, like, I mean, getting rides to the hotel and to the, um, the field, like, that's really their only time where they've locked down, okay, you're not interacting with anybody else, but these people can still go home, talk to their families, their families may be at home, but they could be working and coming back, so, like, there's an exposure risk. I still don't know what's up with the hotels, but I doesn't seem like they all have their own individual hotel where they're not coming across other people. So, like, we have some theories. Yeah, I think we all have some theories. Like, <laughs> in my mind, I'm like, does he not realize we're in a pandemic? Like, does he just think that, like, wow, these guys got sick and we have no idea how they got sick. There couldn't possibly be a pandemic happening that they have. Well, and isn't the what happened kind of second? Isn't the first, what are we going to do about this? How are we going to prevent the spread? You'd think, but remember, Rob Manfred. Which also, speaking of him, let's not forget on (laughs) Thursday, the first game of the season, Nationals-Yankees got rained out towards the end. They interviewed him on the feed, and literally behind him was just the ominous lightning. Like, if that wasn't a sign from God, I'm telling y'all, it was like a villain. Like, he, like that was God being like, this is the villain of MLB, and it's like, yeah, we knew, I but still, thanks for confirming. I still come back to that Jeopardy James tweet, Rob Manfred is the 2020 <laughs> of sports commissioners, and I think it's mm-hmm. true. Okay, so then the second tweet with a quote, obviously we don't want any player to get exposed, but I don't see it as a nightmare situation. Okay. I, can, I would love to know what his nightmare situation is. Third quote. We expected we were, gonna ha- we were going to have positives at some point in time. I remain optimistic about, remain optimistic that the protocols are strong enough that it will allow us to continue to play even through, a, through an outbreak like this and complete out the season. Remain optimistic that the protocols are strong enough. Haven't we just proved that they're not? What even are the protocols? Like, I, like the, M, the NHL and the NBA, they have, like, hundreds of page documents listing, like, here are the testing protocols, and here are all the rules, and here's all the things about being in the bubble that you yeah. can and can't do. What are the protocols, the MLB? NHL players got, like, a 60-page packet on, like, rules in the bubble I haven't seen like there's not been one thing I've seen from MLB like they got one page of rules so just as like a comparison Zidane Ochara who's like 42 years old that's not relevant to the story but there you go for the Boston (laughs) Bruins he did not participate in practice today and just stayed in his hotel room why was that because his results weren't back yet it's not even and I think they eventually came back negative and they didn't suspect him of having it. He had no known exposure. They just didn't have the results. And they're like, can't risk it. Nope, stay in your hotel room. And see, the thing is, I had also, and I know I mentioned this in last week's episode, thought MLB was testing daily. They're testing every two days. Which I don't know if that means every other day or there's literally two days between the first testing and the next testing. So... I feel like that's also an issue because in those two days, someone could be positive and you not know it. And especially with the frequency with which they're playing. Yes. So the NHL is playing, all the teams play every other day. 
-hmm. And so depending on how fast you can get the results, you can actually make it kind of work with your schedule and make it make sense right. a little bit more. I still think daily testing makes sense. And I believe that's what the NHL is doing anyways, mm -hmm. but I can at least entertain the argument for the NHL, but MLB is practically playing daily. Yeah. And, um, I, the way, the only way I could see really of this working without it, like completely just ruining the season, if MLB went from like 60 games down to 50, so then that way you can rework like this week of games for, uh, the Phillies, Marlins, Yankees, and Orioles, so that you can restructure those games to at the end of the season and basically just move this week on to the end and just go with it that way, which I know like they spent freaking three months trying to get just back to the 60 games, which was what pro proposed back in March. So like taking off 10 games isn't as easy as just saying, let's do that, but it should be. Um, but like, y'all, that just, that was less than 24 hours of notes. Like I still have stuff from like, Thursday and that's basically my rant by the way because Jesus like <laughs> I was so I was so excited to talk about baseball um this episode like what was it like Thursday morning I was like man next episode we're gonna talk about baseball it's gonna be so much fun and I started writing my notes on Thursday and as the days went on I was like these notes are getting worse and worse well and we have to kind of I guess for pun intended inside baseball here we usually record on saturday or sunday yeah but my ac i found out today it was a capacitor went out meaning in the 95 degree heat we had all weekend <laughs> i had no ac so i was oh. not in my house i went to my yeah. parents house so we yeah. couldn't record and it was like oh and it ended up being a good and a bad yeah. thing because instead of more good news, like, well, we have a lot of breaking news, but just none of it's good. I know it kind of like part of me this morning was like, okay, we would have recorded Saturday morning, posted it today, but it would have been posted like right as everything was happening with MLB. So like maybe the universe was somewhat on our side in like a mean way. It worked out. Um. But the other thing that I wanted to talk about, which I thought this was going to be the thing I talked about most, which would be my rant, um, was the opening day, I don't know if you want to call it like rituals or whatever, but um, they did every team, and it was only on opening day, I thought they were going to do it for at least opening series, um, every player could put either both or one, or I guess neither if they really wanted to, um, patches on their sleeve, one said, I think it, it either said BLM or Black Lives Matter. It was, I can't remember if it was fully typed out or just three letters. And then the other one said United for Change, I believe. Um, so those patches could be on everyone's jersey. Again, I thought it was going to be on the whole series, but apparently it was only the first game each team played. Um, Pre-game stuff on opening day is always like a big deal. You get, everyone gets called it out onto the foul lines, everyone gets introduced, um, usually, you know, you get fly pass and fireworks and stuff, obviously not this year, um, but before every game, they did a, um, like a video with, uh, well, I don't know if it was a video, because it played in the stadium, but I don't think it actually showed anything on our screens, I'm pretty sure I just saw the field and the players the whole time, um, with Morgan Freeman talking, um, which it was, it was a nice, 
uh, I want to say video, but I, guess, I mean, I guess audio. Um, and they had a black ribbon that went from, I believe, foul post to foul post, and all the players held it. Um, dur- I think it was during the Morgan Freeman speech thing. That was when everyone was quote unquote allowed to kneel. I'm going to say it that way because it was very like performative um, allies because it was before the anthem. Uh, and then during the anthem, there were still um, like, I know the Red Sox, St. Louis, Seattle, there were, and I'm, I'm sure most of the teams had people kneeling during the anthem, which was nice to see. Uh, Rangers did not, which not surprising with the ownership. Um, disappointing, but not surprising. Uh, Rockies only had one and it was Matt Kemp. Uh, but the players next to him did like have their hands on his shoulder and support, which I thought was nice. The issue I have, and I get, again, kneeling before the anthem means nothing. It's very performative. It's not as meaningful as kneeling during the anthem. Like, kneeling before the anthem is the least you could do but there were still a lot that didn't kneel during that like I get it doesn't mean anything but like then that means it should be easier for every like to kneel before the anthem I I don't care because it's not protesting necessarily but but I I care about the ones who couldn't be bothered to kneel because here's my thing if you really and truly didn't want to kneel before or during the anthem why couldn't you then make a post or something or a press release that says hey that's not my style that's not the way I do things so instead I gave a thousand dollars to insert charity that supports black people here no one would have a problem with that no one would be like you have to kneel we don't want your thousand dollars kneel like no one would say that right and I, again, I, I knew the Rangers were not going to kneel during the anthem. I, if you know the Rangers, you know their owners, they're not about that. They can't, they can barely say Black Lives Matter. They don't do anything for Pride Month. Did not expect them to kneel during the anthem, even though I know there were players that wanted to because they've been outspoken through all of this movement. But it was very disheartening to see some of them not do it even before. And I think even more so because before um, the game, a couple hours before the game, the Rangers released a video. And I think it could also be seen as performative, but knowing that it was something put together by the players, um, a white player from St. Louis, Kyle Gibson, was the one who came up with the idea of like, hey guys, what if we put together a video? Um, It was very much about Black Lives Matter. They said it in the video. Um, They had some of the coaches um, I believe most of the players, if not, like, starting lineup players were in it. You could tell some of them were reading a script, which was kind of annoying for me personal. But, I mean, again, they said it. They were there. But, <laughs> Joe, okay, I don't want to pick on Joey Gallo because he wasn't the only one. But he's the one I remember seeing not kneeling before the anthem. But he was the one in the video that specifically said Black Lives Matter. And then the other thing about it, too, is during batting practice, MLB gave Black Lives Matter shirts to everyone, um, every player, every coach, all the teams got them. A lot of them were wearing them. Um, Joey Gallo was not wearing the Black Lives Matter shirt. He was wearing a shirt that Todd Frazier came up with, which seemed like 
um, kind of like what you said, if, if kneeling isn't the thing that you want to do and you want to instead give money to charities, go ahead and do that. Todd Frazier made a shirt that was um, a bat being held by different hands, black, um, Hispanic, white, as like a sense of unity. And then on the back had a Martin Luther King quote. And he was wearing it. Gala was wearing it um, and a couple others, but most of them wore their Black Lives Matter shirt. Again, I don't fault Joey for not wanting to wear Black Lives Matter and wearing something else. Just to me in the video saying it, but then not kneeling just feels a little like, oh. Um, well, and I think your point is like, we're not asking them to do any one specific thing. It's like, do something. Right. And I, I know the video is something. It's just, to me, I'm like, if you can't kneel before the anthem, then what really is your, like, again, kneeling before the anthem means nothing, but if you can't even be bothered to do that, then it's just, it makes me confused at what you really believe in, and I know that's probably not fair, because they've been outspoken in other ways, but that's just how it comes off, so maybe that's not what they mean, but the optics aren't great. Um, I also would like to point out that when the Rangers posted on their Instagram the carousel of players wearing Black Lives Matter shirts instead of the main photo being the Black Lives Matter shirt, it was the other shirt that Todd Frazier came up with, which also feels a little very pointed that they did it that way, but it is what it is. I get, I get, I do understand certain players do not want to upset ownership because they don't have their big contracts yet. They're not guaranteed money. They don't want to lose their spot that they just got. I totally get it. But there are certain things where I'm like, just like the kneeling for the anthem. I get if you don't want to be the only one kneeling during, but before the anthem, I would say half the team was kneeling, over half the team. At least the people, literally people on either side of Joey Gallo were kneeling. So in that part, I'm like, just do it. You're comfortable. You're safe. You're not, your manager did it. Your coaches did it. Like, and there were, there were a couple coaches that also didn't kneel then. I'm not, I'm not trying to pick on Joey because he wasn't the only one not kneeling. He's just the one that stuck out to me when going down the line. And I actually heard this when talking, when I hear Mets fans talk about their disaster of a team, they say like, in the end, it all comes back to ownerships and the ownership are cheap and bad and whatever. But that doesn't mean that there is an accountability down the line. And I think that's kind of your point is in the end, ownership, upper level management, they set the tone and it's not a great one, but that doesn't mean that there aren't issues further down. Yeah. And then it kind of also, like I mentioned before, the patches only using those game one and not the rest of the weekend felt very performative um but I I have seen a lot of the players wear the shirts more and actually like post them on their own feed which I kind of respect more than just the team doing it because if the team does it it's like well they they did it because all the other teams are doing it but like when a player like Willie Calhoun posted it and I really appreciated that um I really want to go look through the video because I kind of feel bad for just calling out Joey but but Le- the point we get what you're saying yeah um levi weaver 32 ethos uh rangers athletic beat writer has a whole video on his account um through binoculars going down the row of showing who kneeled in that so if if you want to see um who did and who didn't that's on his account um i feel like of like the ranty part that's like I, I'm, I'm done with mostly ranting about MLB. <laughs> Um, there are just some things of like, 
dumb things like the Blue Jays finally found a home. Um, and it was announced on okay. opening day. <laughs> and it was the home we all thought it was going to be. Like, was, everyone knew what it was and before the MLB knew. It was Buffalo, which was their worst-case scenario plan. Um, and they won't be able to play a home series until August 11th. So they're supposed to play a home series against the Phillies, but they're going to play it at the Phillies. But they'll be the home team, meaning they'll bat last. So Will they get the home dugout? <laughs> Ooh. <laughs> I want to know that. I that didn't think weird. about that. Probably not, because that'll be the one time they actually think about COVID, and they don't want players to be on either club. Yeah, it makes dugout. more sense that way. But then again, maybe they won't think about that, and they'll be like, sure, do it. Yeah, I know. I know for the NHL, they're, like, taking a lot of steps to make it not Edmonton and Toronto. Yeah. So, like, covering up stuff. Which, that makes sense. The ice and everything mm-hmm. is generic branded. But then also, right. like, for the practices, the Leafs don't get their locker room. Like, their main oh, locker room. Okay. Just that makes like sense. A, a thi- but they're also all in a bubble. Yeah. Oh, so it kind of doesn't matter. Yeah. Um. Also, speaking of... And I'll be not thinking through things. Literally, they started talking about expanding playoffs less than 24 hours before the season started. And they had to um, decide on it before first pitch of the first game of the season. And they, I, when I looked at the clock, it was 4.30 my time, which means two hour, two, an hour and a half-ish before they had to make the final decision. And it was still being approved by ownership on expanding um, playoffs and I actually the tweet that I saw that confirmed they were doing it I didn't see that until after the first game they're expanding playoffs so that means um I think they cheated and got the idea from NHL but whatever um first and second place teams of every division will be in the playoffs along with two wildcard teams from each league uh the wildcard game instead of uh um Sudden death will be a three-game series, which that's the one part of this playoffs that I hope they keep for years to come because this expanded playoffs thing is just for 2020. It's not for future seasons. What I thought was interesting is that it means, let's say every series goes the full three games, five games, seven games. We could have potentially 65 playoff games, which if I don't know if I did my math right, because this seems too high, too, which in a normal season, um, if that were to happen, there'd be 47 playoff games. But that doesn't seem like – that seems like too many for a normal season, too. So maybe my math is wrong. But the 65 playoff game potential, like, I'm already exhausted. We would have more playoff games than we would regular season games. It, okay. If every series went full length. I, I'm prepared to be exhausted soon <laughs> because they're starting um, – exhibition games for hockey tomorrow mm-hmm. and they have Tuesday Wednesday Thursday Friday they have off and then Saturday is the start and it is going to get insane really fast because on days where they're booked solid uh-huh. basically um I believe it's like 11 1 3 5 7 9 central time there's a mm-hmm. game at all of those intervals either on the west or the east because they I can't wait <laughs> it's gonna be so weird because it's 12 4 and 8 
but it's 12, 4, and 8 Eastern time and mm-hmm. then 12, 4, and 8 Mountain time. So it creates this like two hour block. I love it. <laughs> and I am, this, we can keep this a secret. It's just between us. Um, my penguins play tomorrow their only exhibition game at 3 p.m and i may or may not work till four so the last hour may happen upstairs (laughs) we won't tell yeah all good um one more somewhat ranty not really ranty but i'm I'm saving my would-be it was gonna be my rave until i had a different rave so i'm saving that as my last bullet point but um the, the second to last thing, MLB, I swear they announced this on Thursday too. Like they announced everything like the day the season's going to start. And it's like, y'all really just last minute stuff here. Um, MLB did like announce like a cheer thing in the app. Like you can send cheers to your team or you can send booze to your team. And it, at first when I like read the thing, I was like, oh, this isn't going to work out well. Because in my mind, I was like, you're recording yourself cheering or booing or whatever and then sending it to whoever operates the sound at games. And I was like, okay, this is going to end badly. It's just going to take one person to like drop an F-bomb and they accidentally or play it. Or racial slurs. Yeah. So then um, I saw on Friday, it was basically you just go in the app and it's just buttons that you can like continuously push. Like, like feedback, like, hey, this is good, or no, this yeah, is bad. It's kind of like, but, you know, when you do, like, Instagram live videos and there's the hearts or whatever? Yeah. It's like that, but you can either cheer or boo. And so I saw a lot of people, like, let's send the Astros boos, and we'll just, like, really show them. And then, and immediately my brain goes, well, they're playing at home. I, like, that's not what is going to happen. Like, you don't have a direct line from your phone to the sound yeah, system. Yeah, so, okay, because what if – because I could totally see this happening, and, like, I actually heard Mets fans talking about this, like, when they had a seven-run inning or whatever, and they finally get an out, then they're, all their fans want to send the Bronx cheer. Are they going to, like, play a, a Bronx cheer version? Like, like it so, just seems so dumb. Here's what it was, because I went and looked it up, because I, I even tweeted it. I was like, I highly doubt, like, if you're going to boo the Astros, that the Astros sound guy is like, well, got to boo them. Um, so I looked it up and, um, in the article, I think it was a Fox sports something article. Um, it says ballpark staff uses the real time fan sentiment to control slash very noise variation slash levels at the ballpark, which means they're not using your booing to boo the Astros. They're going to use the booing when something bad happens to the Astros or whoever the home team is. Which, in my mind, is like, well, duh. But I also understand that people got very excited to boo the Astros because who wouldn't? I would really want to boo them too. But also, like, you just have to think logically through that. Like, they're not going to play their – they're not going to boo their own team. Um, so then I started thinking, okay, everyone that sent all the boos, so when something bad happens to the Astros, quote-unquote bad for them, um, like, how how loud were the Deafening boos? Boo. <laughs> Um, because, and also I wonder how they decide on how to, like, up the boo levels, because every team was given, like, MLB, the show, crowd noise, but, and I don't know how it's working for every stadium, I do know that the Rangers are mostly using, um, like, old games, noise, crowd noise from that, which, let me tell you, at first I was like, this is gonna be stupid, but the Rangers 
sound freaking amazing. Like a couple games, I, I was like, there'd be every couple plays, I'd be like, oh yeah, there's not really people there because the crowd noise sounded obviously realistic because it was a realistic crowd noise, but it, it, the timing of it was impeccable, which let, let me tell you this, it was <laughs> compared to what we heard last week in some of the exhibition games, I was worried about how that was going to work, but in the games I've watched, specifically the Rangers, it actually has me tripped up for a few plays of like, oh yeah, those are cardboard fans, not real fans. Um, which also, I wasn't going to talk about this, but it just dawned on me because it's hockey. Uh, someone paid 50 bucks to put a Tyler Sagan and then 50 bucks to put a Jamie Benn cardboard cutout because didn't neither one, one of them of Tyler's, did it. Didn't one of Tyler's dogs get in too? It's not his dog. It's just a random lab that they put behind him, which I was like, good, they, they know. But I like, I don't even want to pay 50 bucks to put myself in the stadium. Like who paid 50 bucks to put them in there? Like I'm, I'm happy. Like it's a cool aspect, but it's a hundred dollars if it was the same person, which I imagine it would be, but also they didn't put them next to each other, which makes me mad. <laughs> I always come back to the Mets because their their misery is kind of funny at this point. <laughs> Someone yeah. was saying when it was like twelve one or whatever, can we put a cutout into pitch? <laughs> <laughs> that point, how bad can it be? <laughs> um. So, the last thing, and it's a fun thing for me because I'm a Rangers fan. So the Rangers on Sundays now have powder blue jerseys, which I know a lot of teams are doing that for home games. But the Rangers powder blues are just, I freaking love those things. I know some, they kind of somewhat look like pajamas because of the matching tops and bottoms. And I'm usually, like, I haven't been the biggest powder blue fan. Like, I know a lot of people are like, when are we going to get powder blues? Oh, and I'm kind of like, eh. But look, they made the right choice making Joey Gallo debut those things back in December, January, whenever that was. And then the fact that he was the first person to home run in the new ballpark in those uniforms how can you not love them? But also, specifically, I want to talk about Jesse Chavez for the Rangers, who has platinum blonde hair this year. And something about, <laughs> even though you can't, you can only see part of it because he's wearing a hat, but that hair with those uniforms are a sight to behold. Now is, and is Jesse Chavez the one with like the glasses? Yes. Okay, because he used to play for the Cubs. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Um, and I don't know what it is about his haircut, but seeing the hat on, his hair reminds me of, like, a, not a lion's mane, a horse's mane, which works because of the Rangers mascot, but just something about the powder blues, his, like, bleach white blonde hair, it's almost majestic. I don't know what it is. It just, it looks good, and he's a great pitcher, so that makes it even better. You can really, truly appreciate it, um, which is really the only happy thing I have to talk about this, well, <laughs> this week. So do we want to go on to the NHL? Yes, we talked a lot about please. the bubble stuff. So let's talk about the exciting stuff that oh, happened. Yes. We yes, have yes. a name for the franchise in Seattle, and it is the Kraken, which is like a mythical creature squid type thing. And it was either that or the sock eyes were the two really common suggestions that I'd heard. Sock of eyes? Like the fish. I think partly because uh -huh. it's alliterative and it's also like a I big don't like thing. That. In I'm Seattle. glad they didn't go with it. Yeah, <laughs> it's kind of like I, I, I like the Kraken better. And the other thing, the thing that like the name is whatever. The jerseys are fire. They are so good. Uh -huh. 
And I love that they went for like different colors. They aren't trying to do like red, white, and blue or something black and yellow, something that's really been done. It's so cool. So, so good. And there's like a little hint of red. It's just perfect. And it's like the, the Golden Knights did this too when they, like they just came out with a modern design, which I'm like, I think that's good. Like, I, yeah. I think it's dumb when people think that new teams should like respect tradition or whatever, because <laughs> it just looks like you don't, you've done a bad copy. Yeah. What everyone else already did. And I did see a few people saying like, instead of red, they should have used green. So then it fits in with like Seattle Mariners and Seahawks. I don't like when all the teams have the same colors. I mean, I, I like it for, like, Pittsburgh because black and yellow isn't something used at a lot of teams, so it works. And it's, like, the exact colors. Yeah. The thing I like about Seattle's is it, like, all of the colors, like, the jerseys could be worn together, and yeah. it, like, goes. Like, if you had a family mm -hmm. photo and each person was wearing a different jersey, it would yeah. work. It would, It's not going to clash, but they're not, like – too close where yeah. it's like why aren't they matching and they aren't exactly matching like I think it works yeah the other thing about um first of all whoever does the marketing for that team deserves a raise that video that they had I think it was when like announcing the name was so like I was entranced by it like it was so beautiful like the mix of hockey and then like the ocean and fishing I guess I don't know um it instantly got me excited for them, and they're not even playing this year yet. Um, their secondary logo, the the um, the hook with the space needle, yeah, brilliant. I almost right? wish that was their main logo. But think of how many shirts they're gonna sell with just that logo on it. I know. I did see someone today posted on Twitter like a mashup of the main logo. And the secondary logo, which I was like, would look cool, but I feel like the hook part was a little too... Is it called a hook? Why does that sound like the wrong Anchor. word? Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> I kept saying hook. I was like, it's I knew what you hook. meant. There's a different word for it. But yeah, the anchor with the main logo, and it looked too busy to me. I was like, if they just the anchor part off and just use a space needle with the S, I'll post it on our, our mm -hmm. uh, Twitter. Um... But they're, the colors with the logo, so nice. Did you see their Twitter bio? Yeah, like deciding who, which are your players to steal. I was like offended, but also like that's a good, that's a good, I feel like did they're going to rival the Hurricanes. Did you see the, um, the like group chat video that they did mm -hmm. that all the other teams tweeted it was like basically every team like either talking trash or congratulating yeah. or whatever it was hilarious and they kind of nailed the personalities of the different fan bases yeah. really well I loved that I do too I kind of now that I'm thinking about it because I feel like since I just said they would have a similar like Twitter vibe to the Hurricanes that would be a fun rival I get that they're on different coasts but like it's definitely going to be Vancouver. You know, it has to be. Yeah, I know. But I kind of want, like, just because, like, they both hurricanes crack in, just the ocean. Yeah. The you hurricane, can make it, like, forces or something. weird. They don't have a rival that, like, makes sense because they're in the Metropolitan. And so in the Metropolitan, you have New York, New York, New Jersey, and that's all kind of its own little thing. Yeah. And then you have, like, Pittsburgh, Philly. And then, like, Washington's there, I guess. It could be Washington, like, but why? Yeah. 
you like based like geographically i feel like the one that makes most sense would be nashville but they're in the central yeah they're in like the, the uh, wrong conference even. maybe they can just be like twitter rivals because i feel like that would be a fun thing to yeah watch. and <laughs> the hur- their hurricanes are awesome they're there yeah but um so anyways uh more to come on the NHL because when we record, we'll have to plan it out because the Penguins play on the first, but I think it's in the evening. But we'll have it's the first some, Saturday. Yeah, they, okay. they start playing Saturday and then Sunday, and then it just keeps going from there. But we'll actually have some all the exhibition games done, and we'll be in either into the playoffs or close. So this is it, that's going to be really exciting. And probably a mini episode, mini episode, at least one this week. Because the MLB is going to do something. <laughs> yeah, that's why I was like, there could potentially be two this week, because who knows with MLB. So, with that, do you want to do rant and rave? Yes, you go first. Okay, so I've had this rant, and I'm glad I remembered it, because the crowd noise reminded me of it. Huh? Whoever was deciding the Cubs crowd noise decided that we needed to hear the person yelling, like, selling beer and popcorn over all of the other crowd noise for, like, three minutes straight. Like, I already had to hear that when there were crowds, and I hated it. Could we not cut it out when there are no actual crowds? Like, what is going on? I don't understand it. My mom and I were sitting there watching, so annoyed. Like, you have complete control over what the noise is, and you pick the, like, the only thing worse is the whistle guy. But beyond that, like, you pick the most annoying thing ever and decide, okay, we're going to play this, because this is what people really like about hearing crowd noise. (laughs) You're really going for that authenticity. <laughs> like, really? <laughs> um, I didn't really have a rant because I was like, this whole video or episode was a rant for me. Um, but one I just thought of because I tweeted about it earlier is that um, I know the players are wearing, most of them are wearing masks or have a semblance of a mask. The, uh, the little, like cowl neck thing, which I feel like is too thin to be considered a mask. That's a whole different rant. But um, specifically this rant is some players need bigger masks that actually fit their face. Too many of them have masks sliding down their nose or not covering their nose. And not only does it look ridiculous, it's not doing anything. If it's not covering your mouth and your nose, then just don't wear one. I saw a couple guys in the Rangers dugout and I saw someone today where like their their mask was coming at just the tip of their nose. I'm like, that thing's going to slide down immediately. Like. Y'all, they make masks big enough. The ones they're not giving you at the stadium that, like, have your logo on them, you can find other ones. Like, they make them in sizes. Tar- Target has packs of two masks for $4. You can either get, like, I think it's medium, large, or extra large. Like, there, there's options. And just just cover your nose and your mouth. It's not Use the cow neck thing. I don't really understand how that really, truly helps it because it looks super thin, but I guess it's better than nothing um so (laughs) my rave there's a couple things it's just leafs related so first of all steve dangle returned to youtube after taking a tiny bit of a paternity break and did 70 and 7 which 
is like seven different videos, each one, one right after the other. So seven days covering 10 of the Leafs games because they had played 70 games. Ooh. And the last one is great because it covers like all of his meltdowns, not all, most of his meltdowns, including the Zamboni driver one. And it was oh, just great yeah. reminiscing about all of that. And so that was interesting. And then I also wanted to talk about because um, another legendary Steve Dangle moment, he does prospect pyramids before every season. And on this one, he talked to, um, before this season, he talked about the Leafs defensive prospect, Nick Robertson, who is actually not a defenseman. He is a forward. <laughs> and so it became this running joke about mm-hmm. like, because Nick Robertson had scored like a ton of goals this year in juniors. They're like, wow. And for a defenseman, like it became this whole big running <laughs> yeah. joke. But then he is signed with the Leafs and actually is probably going to play in the playoffs this year um, because he's had such a good season and they need some forward depth and stuff like that. Well, all of that to say, after one of their pre-bubble practices, they had just two people on the ice, Jason Spezza showing Nick Robertson some tricks about like shooting and how to fake people out and all of that kind of stuff. And it just warms my heart because Jason Spezza is like the oldest guy on the team by a good bit. And uh, Nick Robertson is the youngest and it had like the dad vibe and I just loved it. It was so cute. And it's like, that's exactly why they brought Jason Spezza there. And it was so cool to see. And also after everything, everything he's been through with stupid Mike Babcock, like the fact that he still has such a positive attitude and is still such a good influence. Like I'm hoping, because he seems like such a good fit on that team. Mm -hmm. I'm hoping that Sheldon Keefe and everything after Mike Babcock gives him good feelings so that he can sign again, because I think that would be cool. I love Star's team dad. He's always going to be Star's team dad, even though he's not on the Stars anymore. Um, my rave is Taylor Swift's new album. Because I have listened to Taylor Swift since she became Taylor Swift, essentially. Um, I remember when her first song, Tim McGraw, came out, and when like uh, CMT, Country Music Television, did music videos like during the day kind of like MTV would somehow every time I turn on that channel it was that music video and that made me obsessed with her so I remember like getting her first album on a CD putting it in my boom box and like just listening to the whole thing and loving it so I've had I've gotten every CD since my car only plays CDs I don't have an aux cord that's how old it is so I always buy the CD to listen to so it's weird not buying a tangible CD now because I'm not going anywhere to listen to it in the car. Um, but the fact that it was also a surprise album just made me so happy because it, it came out the same day that the Rangers were playing baseball. So like I got baseball and a new Taylor Swift album all in one day and it made 2020 feel infinitely better. And I freaking love, I was listening to it right before we started recording. Um, I've kind of been listening to it nonstop. And it's just, it's kind of like a moodier, almost sadder CD than, like, her previous ones. But at the same time, to me, it has, like, a very, like, cozy, like, I wish it was fall outside kind of vibe. And it's very, like, almost relaxing. Like, some of the lyrics can be sad, but, like, I'm telling you, it really helps, like, 
me want to write for some reason the whole album is just like okay now you have your writing music and you can just just tune everything out it's just really made 2020 so much better because 2020 has been awful and then listening to it can make me also forget how MLB has been awful and so I really just needed it right now (laughs) so with the heat and just also I don't know I've started like finally doing the like I'm gonna pick up new things Uh in quarantine that I didn't do for like the first several months of quarantine Uh and so now I can actually like if I remember the last couple formulas because there's a little harder I can solve a Rubik's cube in like six minutes I I never solved one in my life I learned there's like a very specific strategy like there's a few that you can use and I found Uh one and once you memorize it and just do it enough it 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 makes sense so people tell me and I'm like every time I pick one up nothing works you just like have to commit like I spent an hour and then I was like an hour see I'm too impatient because then I was determined like about 30 minutes in I'm like okay Okay. I'm going to get this so you push past patience to get to stubborn yeah and then um I read all of the devil in the white city which is an Ooh, I, that's been on my reading list since like so good junior year of high school because my English teacher was reading it and she loved it and then I just never you, read it if you like like dateline criminal minds that sort of thing which I know you do yeah. like a good real life book version of that there's a another part of it that's all about like the planning of the world's fair but that's yeah. fascinating too because there's like all kinds of people and stuff that happened there that like I never yeah. knew happened so that's really good and then now I'm reading this book I'm almost done called Ordinary Grace that my mom gave me and it's so good and so interesting and so I'm I'm two for two on books so far so I'm like oh my gosh maybe we need to do like a podcast book club to make me read <laughs> It's I have so many books that I just like I want to read but like I just don't mm-hmm. like instead of writer's block I have reader's block like I want to read I just don't yeah and that was another thing where it's like I just sat outside sometimes like I'm gonna read the first few chapters and then I was invested and then I'm I think what I decided I needed is like I can't handle a slow burn book right now I need like something yeah. that has I, like grips me right away yeah and I think that's probably why this is like a book therapy session I think that's I think we're getting to the root of why I haven't started reading is that like I'm afraid it's going to start off slow and it won't grab me right away that I won't want to finish it that is not devil in the white city okay it it, 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 like it builds but Uh you're hooked pretty early on okay good to know it he's a really good writer podcast podcast book club we might have to look into that give me recommendations and stuff (laughs) Well, especially if the MLB season is just not going to happen. The only thing that, like, has me, like, if MLB doesn't continue, fine, I don't care, is that I know there's going to be hockey. That's the, that's the only reason. If I if I didn't have hockey look forward to, I'd be really more upset. And see, you guys are good because you just have some, like, round-robin playing games so you can watch it and have all the joy but not be so worried. Like, <laughs> I could legitimately <laughs> only have a five-game series, but I have confidence. I'm trying to. Who are they playing? The Canadians, and this we're okay. like the Penguins got the like the most jobbed by this format because we had a 99% chance of making the playoffs, and the Canadians had a 1%. But then, of course, they're playing this series, and it's like 
60 some percent to 30 some percent so they just got this huge gift that so but still I'm excited to have hockey I'm not beggars can't be choosers <laughs> I can be because MLB is awful <laughs> <laughs> but it's like you weren't begging for the MLB to be right. back this way at all I, like I'm happy with how that <laughs> that's okay there's another different thing so um I think like it took forever for the players to agree to what the MLB was doing mm-hmm. and there was all this back and forth. I think for the return to play, only one team voted against it for the NHL. Yeah, they y'all had each I, team. I swear y'all had like an agreement in two days and I was like, literally it took us three months to get back to the original agreement. They they had the like agreement, like this is what we're going to do when we come back. And then when it was time to actually come back, not only did they have the okay, we're going to come back, but they also baked into it a six year collective bargaining agreement. Yeah. And it passed with like seventy eight percent of the vote, which is quite a lot really for a six year CBA. And it's like, yay, no more lockouts for six years. And every day the MLB gets closer and closer to their next one. <laughs> And we get to go to the Olympics, so in two years, we'll actually have NHL players at the Olympics. So, all good. We sat, I guess, we kind of went off the rails at the end, but that's the show. That's what it's all about. Um, We will see you guys next week when, who knows what the heck's going on with the world. So, see you then. Bye, guys.